This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Well, hey, everybody, I'm Paul, one of the pastors here at Grace River. And I'm so glad that you've joined us today online, wherever you're watching from, as we're in the third week of this series, No Other Name. You know, I, I grew up with two brothers, and I don't think my mom was prepared to have three kids, three boys in the house. I mean, we were constantly wrestling and fighting and competitive. And, of course, there would always come those times where we took it too far, and then she'd be like, hey, sit us down oftentimes like in chairs across from each other and be like, you need to apologize. You need to say you're sorry and sometimes even hug it out. And um, man, the truth is like 90% of the time, I wasn't sorry, right? Like I was sorry I got caught. I was sorry that my brother was a tattletale. I was sorry that he wasn't any good at football. I was sorry my mom heard me hit him, but I wasn't really sorry. And I'm guessing you've had the same experience. Even when you ask your kids, right? They say, sorry, like and you know that they're not. Now, there are lots of things, lots of things that we are legitimately sorry for, right? Things that we've done or said or wish we would have done or wish we would have said differently. Like, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, not even Travis Kelsey, not even Taylor Swift, not even Pastor Chris here at Grace River. Like, we've all got work to do, and we all know that. Like, and you know this, too. Like, we all know we aren't perfect, and we all know that we don't really measure up to God. We've got work to do. We're not our best selves. And, and really, every world religion uh, thinks about these same kind of things. Like, right, that we, we all kind of fall short of whatever that God or higher power is. We all have work to do. We all don't measure up. And so there's things we need to do and things we need to say and ways that we need to pray in order to hopefully make ourselves right with him or that God enough that we could get into heaven or nirvana or whatever it is that they believe. But, but it's so confusing, isn't it? Like, I mean, like which group do you go with? Or do you just go with the, the religion that's like the dominant religion in your area? So like, okay, well, we grew up in the United States. It's Christianity. So what do we do? Well, I guess we keep the Ten Commandments, right? Or and you might go like, hey, that's cool. I, I keep the Ten Commandments. And then I'd be like, okay, name the Ten Commandments, right? Because I think for a lot of us, we know most of them. We don't know all of them. We probably keep them, but we're not really fully sure. And what happens when one religion has different views than another religion? Now, if you were to ask most people, are they going to go to heaven? Or what they think about heaven? Or how do they get to heaven? Most people that you run into would say, well, I try to be a good person, I try to do the right things. I try to treat people nice. I hope I'll go. I think I'll go. But it's left with a lot of ambiguity. So how do we figure that out? Well, for most people, they, they kind of use comparison, right? Like, well, I'm, I'm better than, than them. <laughs> like, I, I know I've done some bad stuff, but I haven't been as bad as they are. And for a lot of people, it's like we picture this big, giant, cosmic scale where we hope that our good will outweigh our bad, right? But, but, but what is that scale and what is enough, right? Is it 51%? We just need a little bit more good than bad? I mean, that, that'd be nice. What if it's 70%, right? For some of us, we're like, I don't know if I got enough time, <laughs> right, to, to get there. Well, maybe it's only 30%. And we're like, whew. But what if it's a curve? Like, maybe it's a curve and Mother Teresa <laughs> throws it off for everybody. Like, we're all in trouble. Well, actually, the Bible says that there is a standard. And that standard is God. And that he's perfect. So we're doomed. <laughs> 
Here it is in black and white. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And, and I don't think I have to convince you of that. Right? We all know that we've sinned, and we all fall short of his glorious standard. Like nobody measures up. And that's a problem, right? So you think about a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being like the worst people you can possibly think of. Hitler, Bin Laden, whoever it might be, right? And then 10 being God. Now think about the best person you know. I mean, the person that you think is amazing. They're, they're, they're just generous and kind and love God and all of these different things. Like, where do you put them? A 9? An 8? I mean, you certainly don't put them a 10, right? And they're not God's status. So they, what, like a 9, an 8? Where do you put yourself compared to them? 6? 5? Like, compared to a perfect God, we're in trouble. There's no way that we measure up. No way that we can even work our way there. Now, that separation between us and God, the, the reason for that, the Bible calls it sin. Right? Sin is anything that separates us from God. Right? Anything that, that is against his standards. Anything that falls short of him and his ways. And our sin separates us from him and his holy perfection. And it's not just the big stuff. It's not just murder or abuse or things like that. It's the impure motives. It's the impure thoughts. It's the uh, little white lies. I mean, it's all of it. You know, we want to picture God as this kind of loving grandpa, right, who pulls us up on his lap and says it's all fine and gives us a sucker, right? That would be nice, right? Like, hey, it's all okay. But the truth is that really wouldn't be loving and kind, would it? Like, if God just kind of waved it all off and said, no big deal, you know, like, ah, it's all good, right? Can you imagine if God did that with Hitler or Bin Laden? He took all the ones and said, hey, guys, I mean, that was really stupid what you did, but hey, water under the bridge, come on in. Like, we wouldn't think that's loving or good. Some people think, well, okay, well, not the really big stuff, but everything else, God probably just lets it all slide. But there's no, no clarity from God in that, right? There's no, like, okay, like, as long as it's just this stuff, then you get in. But if it's the really bad things and he lists them all out, then you won't get in. And if God knows that our eternal destinies hang in the balance, whether we go to heaven or to hell, and he knows how we get there, but then he doesn't clearly show us at all, is that loving or good or kind? What the Bible actually tells us is that any sin separates us from God separates us from eternity with him. We all fall short of that glorious standard. So what do we do? Well, again, almost every world religion tells you that you need to do these things and say these things and pray these things so that you can get in. But there's, again, there's no real clarity. Well, you see, the Bible does give us some clarity. Contrary to every other world religion, the Bible says that it's not that good people go to heaven, it's that forgiven people do. That it's not about what you do, but about what Jesus has done for us. All that happens through Jesus, right? And over the last several weeks, we've been in this series, No Other Name. We've been talking about that there's no other name but Jesus. Like, his name is above every other name. And in the first week of this series, Chris talked about how Jesus is God. He is authority. He's the only one that can transform this is the way that we can experience that forgiveness and that freedom is through Jesus, through what he did for us. The Bible says that he is God in the flesh, that he walked among us. 
And as Chris talked about in the first week, that he said he was going to die, he said he was going to rise again, and then he did it. It's one of the proofs of his godness. You know, in the book of Acts, we have the beginning of this Jesus movement, the birth and the growth of it, of the church. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, has an encounter with a guy, and we're going to come back to who this guy is in just a minute. And he tells him this in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. He says, he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. The way that we can have our sins forgiven is through the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can forgive our sins. It is through him, through what he did on the cross, through his name that we can be forgiven. And he says this is for everyone who believes in him. Now listen to this promise. Who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Now, now you might be like, cool. I believe in Jesus, but let me just give you a little bit of clarity here. It's not, I believe he was a great guy. I believe he was a good teacher. I believe he did some cool stuff. This belief is action-oriented. It's, I'm, I'm believing in who he was and, who, and what he did. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus as God in the flesh who died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I'm putting my faith and trust in him. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's putting that belief, that faith and trust in him and what he did and what he said. And this is the major difference between Christianity and every other world religion. That it's not about what you do, but about what Jesus did for you. That you'll never be able to earn your way into his good graces. It's only through what Jesus did on the cross. It's not about good people going to heaven. It's forgiven people that do. Now, maybe this is old news to you. Maybe it's new news. But 2,000 years ago, it was revolutionary news. It was a seismic shift in the religious landscape. Now, Peter had this conversation in Acts chapter 10 with a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius and his family and friends were Gentiles, which simply meant they weren't Jewish, like, like many of us. Now, Peter, up until that point, they had been in Jerusalem with the other followers of Jesus. Uh, they were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. And it was feeling like this was kind of a Jewish thing, like this new Savior, this, the Messiah, he's come. But it was a kind of a Jewish thing. But Peter has this encounter with God where God kind of opens his eyes that this is, a big, this is bigger than just a Jewish thing. And Cornelius is a Gentile, and his family, they have this encounter with God. And, Peter, and God brings Peter and Cornelius together. And here's what Peter says to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says, And Peter replied, he says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Like he realizes in this moment that this is open to everybody. And this was huge. When it came to salvation, when it came to forgiveness, when it came to connection with God, it wasn't a Jewish thing. It was an all skate. It was everybody in the pool. Everybody's welcome. It's open to all. And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 36, he says this. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. What he tells them is this. Listen, this is the message that we've been telling the people of Israel. But now I see 
It's for everybody. You can have peace with God. You can be restored to him. That, that gap, that separation, falling short of his glorious standard, you can be made right with God and reconciled with him again. You can have peace with God. And it comes through Jesus. And it is for all. He is Lord of all. Then he goes on in Acts chapter 10, verse 39 and verse 40. He says this, And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. This is why Jesus can be that forgiver of our sins. Because he was God in the flesh. Because he went to a cross and he died for our sins. And then again in verse 43. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Listen, this message was revolutionary. And it was both inclusive and exclusive. It was inclusive. Everybody was welcome. Everybody could get in the same way. Everybody could be forgiven. But it was also exclusive. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. It is only through the person of Jesus. And we talked about this in the first week of the series, that Jesus was God, that Jesus was perfect. He was without sin. You know, you can, you can wrong somebody and ask for their forgiveness and it solves a problem, but it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve your sin problem, right? Like that only comes through Jesus. The problem of sin in our lives can only be solved by Jesus because only he's God and only his sacrifice is sufficient. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it talks about this. It says this, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You know, your kid does something wrong and, and there needs to be some kind of payment, right? Not shedding of blood, but you, know, you need to do some kind of course correction. There's a time out. You um, don't let them go to the next thing. Why? Because you want them to correct that now so they don't do something worse, so that they don't hurt a relationship Worse, and the same is true with our sin. There needs to be payment. Someone has to pay. There's consequences. And Jesus was the payment. He was the only sufficient sacrifice. He was the only one that could shoulder the load of all of our sin on himself that we could experience freedom. Because he's God. Because he was a sufficient sacrifice for our sins. Romans 6.23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death. What we earn for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We earned death for our sin, but God offers us the gift of grace and forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. So the question is, what will you do with that? How will you respond? In Acts chapter 11, Peter goes back to Jerusalem. And he goes to tell all the followers like what he experienced with Cornelius and his friends and they don't buy it right away, but then as he explains it, they get it. They say this in Acts chapter 11, verse 18. It says, When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting, of seeking forgiveness and turning from their sins and receiving eternal life. Now listen, the truth is, for many of you, you've experienced that. You've experienced God's forgiveness and grace in your life you realize that there was no other name other than Jesus by which your sins could be forgiven, that you couldn't earn your way there, you couldn't work your way there. And so you confessed your sins to him, you turned to him and began relationship with him. 
But now we need to live in light of that forgiveness. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to live in light of that forgiveness. One, we need to rejoice in what God has done. That we were going to be separated from him forever, except through Jesus, he made a way that we could be forgiven, that we could be restored, that we could be made right with God. And we should celebrate that every single day. Secondly, we all have neighbors and friends and coworkers whose eternities hang in the balance as well. Who, who, there is no other name by which they can be saved. And we always want to be a church that's for the outsider. We always want to be a church for the person who's not here yet. Who are those people in your life? Let's share the hope of Jesus with them because there is no other name by which we can be saved. And no amount of trying to do good enough is going to earn our way to heaven. That's through Jesus. It's the only way. And then third, I want to encourage you to take a next step in this way. If there is any area of sin in your life right now, look to make it right with God and or with someone else so that you can live in freedom. Listen, we're still going to sin. We're still going to make bad choices along the way, hopefully less and less as we go along in our relationship with Jesus. So often it leads to guilt and shame and breaks our relationships with others and with God. We need those restored. We're not experiencing freedom when we live that way. And so I want you to picture God in two ways. One is a judge. You know, we stand before God and we're guilty. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of his glorious standard, as it said in Romans 3.23. And it's like we've got the, the handcuffs on. We stand before God. We're being sentenced. And it's like Jesus busts into the courtroom and says, I'll take the time for their crime. I'll pay the penalty for what they deserve. And God, as the judge, says, that is be sufficient payment. And he tells the bailiff to come over, uncuff us, and says, you're free to go. And we can walk out of the courtroom and through those doors and into the sunshine and into the light and experience freedom, even though we were guilty. But we're not just a judge. And here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 about that. It says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. We're set free. But again, we're not, he's not just a judge. He's also a loving father. You know, our sin keeps us from the freedom that we really want to experience in life. It puts barriers up in our relationships. To confess our sins simply means to agree with God that it is a sin. And we need to keep short accounts with God and with others so that we can live in freedom. It is the way to freedom through confession. So I want to encourage you to make it right. Make it right with God. Make it right with somebody else. Keep short accounts so that you can live in the freedom that Jesus bought and paid for through his death on a cross. And then secondly, for some of you, you've never begun that relationship with Jesus. You've been trying to, to, to earn your way there. You've been hoping that your good will outweigh your bad. And that's exhausting and it's tiring and you're left with so much uncertainty. But you don't have to guess so. You don't have to hope so. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus died for our sins and that it is open to everyone who would believe in him. That we can put our faith and trust in Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins. He was the only sufficient sacrifice. And that when we do, when we put our faith and trust in him, that our sins are forgiven. 1 John chapter 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So would you in faith and trust follow him? And so I'm just going to boldly ask you today, if you've never begun that relationship with him, let today be your day. I believe God has you here for this moment. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And in that prayer, there's no magic words with it, but I'm just going to try to put together what we've talked about. And if that's you today, you're like, man, I see it. I can't earn my way there. Jesus died for me. I want to receive that free gift of grace. I need his forgiveness in my life. You can simply pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart, wherever you're at, right now with me. Why don't you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I'm a sinner like everyone else, and I fall short of your standard. And there's no way I can earn my way there. I realize that. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And I believe and put my faith and trust in Jesus as the only one who can forgive me for my sins. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. I confess my sins to you. I receive that free gift. God, help me to follow you. Thank you, God, that in this, you make me a Christian, a follower of you. God, I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.